Welcome back to the My Latin Life podcast. Since 2014, My Latin Life has been your trusted guide to traveling and living in Latin America. Today, I have a repeat guest for you. Her name is Nicole from Work, Wealth, and Travel. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Vance. I am very happy to be back. I love everything that you chat about, so I'm excited to dive in today. Yeah, absolutely. I guess for show notes or upkeep or whatever you call it. So on the previous episode, came out about six months ago at the time of this recording, and you were branded as Nomad Neeks. And now we're we're doing a little mini rebrand to Nicole from Work, Wealth, and Travel. Yes, correct. The business and so everything kind of going forth just to make it easier has been branded to work, wealth and travel. That's awesome. And I originally found you uh, from Instagram and I noticed uh, I feel like it coincided with us doing our first podcast that you started ramping up Twitter. Was was I like an inspiration there? I... I don't remember when I started Twitter. I feel like it was probably after because I haven't been on Twitter consistently for that long or X or whatever we're calling it. But at one point I was very heavily focused on Instagram, 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 like everything was Instagram and it's not my favorite platform necessarily, but I feel like we just get bombarded so much of like, that's the way to go. And you have to be on Instagram if you're doing anything in the online space. And so then I kind of just left Instagram a little bit and diversified into all of the platforms. So now, and I don't know if this is too much sometimes, but now basically anywhere you look for social media, I will be there as work, wealth, and travel. Sweet. Well, I do love your podcast. So shout out uh, to the work, wealth, and travel podcast. I've listened to a bunch of episodes, so people can check out that one as well. Um, so the uh, theme for today, guys, audience, the, the idea for today is I want to talk about banking and finances as a global citizen. So Nicole uh, is uh, openly a Canadian citizen that has become a non-Canadian resident and has taken up residence in Paraguay. She's been open on her podcast about, about how she has bank accounts in seven odd countries, this and that. And she talks about some of these finance themes on her podcast. And so I thought it'd be a great idea to have her on and go more into detail about what that looks like for Canadians. And you can extrapolate that for Europeans or Australians or whatever, in terms of what that looks like when you really, like, I guess the the core problem is that you can't do your primary banking in your home country anymore because you're no longer a tax resident there and you you want to like reduce the amount of activity you don't want to get paid your income there and so you know we set up US LLCs and we have to do all these other machinations to make it work right yeah there are so many roundabout ways that you have to go about it which i love you know i'm not saying that it's not something that's enjoyable to me to find all of these different ways but I also love not having to be in the Canadian system. So that's just part of the game. Part of the game. So that's what we're going to talk about, sort of demystify this part of the game. Uh, leaving the, leaving Canada is actually relatively easy. Getting a US LLC is relatively easy, but it doesn't stop there. Yeah, it definitely does not stop there. And I think that is 
a pretty big misconception for a lot of people because going into this journey when you're leaving, for most Western countries, when you're leaving that country system, especially for tax and global citizen reasons, you look at the first few pieces of the pie of the step, which is how to leave that system, how to set up in a new system, what system is best for you, how to get your business going. But banking is often overlooked and it really should not be. It should be like one of the first things that you start thinking about, even though you're thinking so many steps ahead, because it's only increasingly becoming so much more difficult to open these bank accounts in almost every country around the globe. So um, yeah, I'm happy to come on and chat about what that journey has looked like for me and for anyone else, what that could look like if they are choosing to start this journey or already on this journey, but then knowing that banking is going to come at the end once they've had their new residency and they've set up their LLC or their LLP or whatever it may be. And then they're like, oh shit, I need bank accounts, like not just for the business, but also for personal. Mm -hmm. So how do we want to start? Maybe a fun one would be like, if you were starting from scratch, how would you do it if you were starting again from scratch? Yeah. So if I was starting from scratch, I, like I said, I would figure out what countries that I could bank from. And there are still quite a few options. I don't know how that is going to look in the future, per se, with more regulations coming into play. But um, for me, you know, I started with looking at how much the business was making and what the business activity will look like now, but also in the future. So figuring out where is going to be the best place to set this up. Is it going to be a Dubai? I was looking into that option. Is it going to be a US LLC, an LLP? Is it going to be a Paraguay? You know, there's not too many countries out there where you can still get a quite easy residence. That's why it's like, I don't know how long these are really going to stick around for because it's it's pretty laughable sometimes how easy it is to get these residencies um, once you have gotten rid of your home country's residency. But um, yeah, like I said, to kind of think forefront and to think about the end at the beginning or at some stage in the beginning, middle beginning, because you need bank accounts and you need to figure out where you're going to have your everyday daily expenses, which I think for me was one of the biggest struggles that I had to solve. You know, business banking is fairly straightforward, which I know we're going to dive into that and a few topics on that, but mm -hmm. um, really just kind of like, where is the everyday money coming out of? But I do want to note, so for Canada specifically, you, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, Vance, you have to have not a certain amount of ties to Canada when you are leaving the country as a as a non-resident. So they will check for the primary ties, the three big ties. And if you have those, you're still going to be a resident in Canada. But if you don't have those, then they kind of go into the secondary ties. So you can have credit cards, bank accounts. There are many other secondary ties that they'll try to use to tie you to Canada. But you can still have some of those, but you don't want to have all of those. So you can still lightly use, especially in the beginning, your Canadian banking system or credit cards. And I never recommend to fully leave any system if you're in it because you don't want to <clears throat> have to go back into that system in the future, potentially, and not have any credit score. Start from zero 
So or you're saying even, you want to keep like one bank account open so that you're kind of grandfathered and you, you kind of get to keep Yeah, it. for sure. Like don't cut. Yes, we see all of those secondary ties on the government website, but don't cut all of those ties. If you have the bank account while you're a resident, you've opened them, you are not able to open any bank accounts as a non-resident. With CRS, they will know that you are a non-resident and it's actually technically illegal if you even try. So once you've left the system, like you're done, you're out. Some banks in Canada will tell you that you have to close the accounts, um, especially some smaller banks. If you're a non-resident, just mm. keep it open and don't use it. So you want to still have some sort of ties. Um, you can keep your credit cards, just don't use them. You know, or like I said, you can use them in the beginning when you're still figuring out what is really going to work for you and then transition into another system once you've figured that out. Wow. So let me ask you in, in your personal experience, when you went through this and you were looking at reducing your ties to Canada, and, and by the way, audience, I know this will be sort of a Canada-focused podcast, but really you can extrapolate this to any country that's not the USA. So sorry, Americans. I mean, it's going to look a little different for you. But here's the thing actually I would note before we get super deep in the episode. This Maybe we lost all the Americans already, but I would note for them that if you were con ever considering renouncing U.S. citizenship, this is what your life is going to look like. So let's just say you have dual citizenship with U.S. and I don't know, let's just say Ireland or something, right? And you're thinking, oh, I already have a good, you know, backup passport or whatever. Maybe I can renounce the U.S. Well, this is what your life is going to look like in, in some sense where uh, you're going to have to go through all this stuff. But uh, with that uh, side note out of the way, so what was it like for you when you were looking at reducing your ties to Canada? Did, you know, was there any actual conversation with the CRS or like back and forth? Or was it like, did anyone actually like take a look at your picture or you just kind of self-reported, you never really heard from them. And that was the end of that. No. So, you know, we've all heard stories and I, I mean, I guess technically you don't have to file the, the form. I think it's like the, there's so many forms in my mind, especially with the US LLC right now at the beginning of the year, but I think it's like the NR 73 or something like that to the CRA. Um, so I did file that form. You will hear people who say, don't file that form. It's fine. Just kind of like transition out of the system. Just do the exit tax return and call it a day. Yeah. I, you, you can, for me, I don't really recommend, recommend that because I now have in writing and, and of course, you know, everything with the CRA has to be in writing. So it couldn't be something that was just over email or over the phone. They always told me when I called in to send in a letter and then they would send me back the letter or just send it through like the online portal. So I have in writing that I am a non-resident as of this day. And so if for whatever reason I need to go back at a certain time, I maybe there's like double tax treaty or whatever that may be, I have it in writing from them. So that's the way that I like to go and to have everything really foolproof. And I, I have that letter, I have it forever so that they cannot go back on their word. You know, I personally don't trust any government, not the Canadian or, or any other government. So I always want to have my kind of backups in place. So that's what I recommend. Yeah, that's, that's what really I did. Good peace of mind, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. I hear, I hear so many people, not so many people, but I hear quite a few people saying like, just kind of vaporize your way out of the system. They won't know, go dark. And for me, that's not something I recommend. 
Um, but yeah, so there, you kind of have those big three ties. And then if you don't have any of those primary ties, those three primary ties, then you're just looking at the secondary ties. And once you fill out that form, they will, I'm sure you filled out this form, Vance, they will, they will ask you everything. They want to know if you have a storage unit. They want to know if you have clothes at your parents' house. They want to know if you have a newspaper subscription, like they want to really tie you to Canada if at all possible. So for me, I basically, I had nothing except for my driver's license, which you're actually technically not really supposed to have slash renew. Um, so that is an important piece of the game as well. You need to figure out what countries you can get a driver's license in because you probably don't want to be left with no license. Um, so yeah, I, I had banking and of course the the passport, the driver's license, like all the very standard things, but I didn't have anything other than that in Canada. My entire life was in a suitcase. I didn't have storage. I didn't have clothes. I didn't have, um, they'll ask you about if you have, what is it like a club or if you're a part of a society, club, so they don't yeah. want you to be, yeah, like tied in any ways. So I did have that. I, I was deemed a non-resident, but it looks different. Like, don't just hear my story and assume you'll also be a non-resident. Fill out the form, get the official permission from the government saying that you are a non-resident or you are a resident and then you further have to reduce ties. Um, but in my case, I was deemed a non-resident based on the information that I gave them. And the journey just took off from there. Hey guys, quick break from the podcast to tell you about job stacking. If you're a remote or hybrid worker looking to maximize your earning potential, then Rolf Haltza, author of Job Stacking, guarantees you'll be able to double your income by implementing his paycheck multiplication layering method. This is the exact system Rolf has used to take his own income and those of many others beyond 20K a month. With this method, Rolf contractually guarantees that you'll be able to double your income in 45 days. So if you're interested in unleashing your earning potential and doubling your income, then click the link in the description and book a call with Rolf right now. That's cool. And that was, you got that deemed non-resident status while your, while your driver's license was still valid? Correct. In Canada. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So it's like you can kind of like keep the driver's license for a couple of years till it expires, but you, you really shouldn't renew it. I don't even yeah. know if you can renew it because um, you need – anyway. Um, cool. So that's great. Uh, that's interesting. And maybe it's worth just like double explaining this that the debate that we're talking about is uh, – or the two choices that you have is you can either – fill out this explicit form, which is like the, I forget the name, but like basically the certificate of non-resident status form to get a very explicit um, determination, or you can just file an exit year tax return. And uh, you, and there's just one or two things that are different about an exit tax return, such as having like a, a an address in a, a foreign country. And, um, and basically just leaving it at that such that there's not really like a full audit taking place. Um, and so in that sense, it's less, um, less confrontational. <laughs> um, but those are kind of the two options. And even Canadian expat CPAs um, differ on what's the best approach. And maybe it differs depending a little bit on 
you know, someone's full picture of their ties, right? Yeah. And on that, I do want to note as well. So for the, the former option that you mentioned, you do need to have, or I guess maybe you don't technically need to, but they will ask you for your residence and your address abroad as well in a different country. So you do kind of have to have something in play there as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's an important point is you need to get legal residence somewhere else before you can exit the Canadian system. So I guess fast forwarding slightly, let's just say, um, you know, uh, someone's already obtained that shiny residence permit in Latin America and they're on their way to exiting or just exited, you know, so what is this banking infrastructure kind of looking like? Everyone kind of knows you, you need a, a Wyoming LLC, a US LLC, and that's kind of one of the best best uh, tools in the toolkit, but there's really so much more to it than that. Yeah. So, well, you have a few different routes. I usually say, depending on where you have clients and what that looks like for you, you have a few different options of where you want to set up your business. First of all, there's Canada, the US and the UK, which are all very tax advantageous in their own ways, but it really comes down to where do you want well, for, for me, Canada wasn't going to be an option, obviously. So you also have to think of that kind of as the first piece of the puzzle. If you're coming from the UK or Canada, America, it's completely different. Um, but yeah, so for me, I chose the US LLC option just based on ease of banking and credit cards, which we're going to dive into and some other factors where clients are and whatnot. Um, and then... Figuring out the state is the next step. So Wyoming is a big one. There are, and actually as of yesterday, January 1st, there's a new form that needs to be filed. So with the US LLC option, there there is quite a bit of reporting requirements, as you know, Vance. Um, so, so it also, you know, you can factor that into it as well, whether maybe another country might be better for you. And then I know New Mexico, there's a few less forms to file. So figuring out what state is best for you. But a lot of people, a lot of people go with Wyoming um, and then setting up your business. And of course, there are the very straightforward, easy bank accounts to get as soon as you open the LLC and then you get your EIN number, which takes a few weeks. It's really straightforward. And then you have the fintech banks that you can open that are business accounts. So you have your Mercury's, you have your Relay, which I find very ironic because they're actually Canadian or they're based in Canada, but they only operate in the U.S. Um, mm. What else do you have? You know, you kind of any, have any like more bank of... options there. I hadn't really heard of Relay. Oh yeah, Relay is a great one. Um, I I am all about, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's why we're talking. I'm all about diversification and having as many options as possible. So I have opened every bank account that is possible, essentially. So the, those fintechs are really easy. There's Relay, there's Mercury, and then there's Wise. And those are all LLC business accounts. Wise, of course, you can also have personal, but if you have personal, so my personal is in Canada, it will go off of where your personal. So I can't just like change my personal to another country. And you can only have your one personal account in one country. You can have as many business accounts as you want with Wise. Um, so that's just kind of something interesting to note about wise, not that it matters too, too much. Um, so then you have those pretty easy to open 
And once you have that, then you can you can keep it as that. They all have apps. They all work perfectly fine. I know Mercury has a, I think it's a secured credit card at if you have 25k balance within it, the Ion card. Um, and I think you get like a few rewards or points or something with that one. I'm not really too worried about having that. So you do have that if you have 25k in the account as of right now, 25k. For a credit card, but you're probably going to want to get some sort of credit card where you can actually start earning points. I'm all about points. And the points game is really interesting because the credit card game actually in general is interesting. And I I love having a card that works for me, but I also treat all of my credit cards and I always have like a debit card. You know, I, I pay it off every month. And so I think that is important to preface right off the bat. If that is your mindset and you are responsible and you know that you can trust yourself and you have a good tracker track record with credit cards and your finances, therefore relaying into your business finances, then this could be a good option for you. If not, then focus on that first and then figure out the credit card, the points game. Um, but once you apply for an ITIN number for your business, which does take a few months, then you can use that ITIN. It's essentially, it's It'll act as your SSN, as every American citizen has an SSN. You, as a foreigner who owns a US LLC, but you're still a foreigner, you won't be able to ever get an SSN. And you actually, I would never want one because then you're just that much more into the American tax system. But you can get an ITIN number, which is mm -hmm. similar to an SSN, like acts the same. So then you can start opening... Um, bank accounts right. at your Chase, your Bank of America. Um, what else you can use? So I've actually ran into, and this is, again, it's it's the game. If you leave your home country, things are going to get difficult. For me, it's fun. I like problem solving. That's why I'm in this industry. But I, I know a lot of people can get fed up very easily. I have had so many softwares. Um, QuickBooks is one recently where in order to, I could use the whole QuickBooks software, no problem. But in order to actually send an invoice and then somebody pay directly on that invoice, which is kind of a big reason that you want to be able to use QuickBooks for your business, um, you have to have an SSN. So there's a few things if you don't have the SSN or the ITIN number, more than a few things that you're not going to be able to do. And it can be really frustrating because it's just the ease of running your business. And you can't do that because you have an American LLC a lot of these companies like QuickBooks, just as an example, will want your SSN. A, a lot of the times they want that personal piece of information because your name is still on the business. So they want that SSN. So there's, a, there's quite a few things that you are not able to do. Some of them will accept the ITIN number and some of them won't. Got it. Does that make sense? Um, That's a lot of information. I know. It does. It does. Uh, EIN is like your corporate tax number. And then the ITIN is like your personal tax number for, for the, for us purposes. Um, I, I did want to take a step back and we say like, you know, banking is really important. Um, could you talk about what banking actually looks like? Cause I think maybe a lot of newer entrepreneurs, and things like that or because i think a lot of people are maybe like they're they're just freelancers or contractors that are doing this and they're not people who have been doing like business banking for years um like what is what does it really mean to 
do banking and, and do banking abroad? Like what, what are some characteristics that are important? Um, I'm not too sure I know exactly what you're getting at. Um, are you able to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, like you want to be able to receive payments, receive large amounts of money, mm-hmm. maybe have it integrate with PayPal, integrate with payment processors such as Stripe, things like that that would be important to run a business where if you maybe only have certain pieces of the puzzle, like say a Costa Rica bank account or a Belize bank account or something, well, you can't always send money directly to that or invoice from that, right? Or so just sort of like, you know, what is like an ideal structure kind of okay. look like or, or like the characteristics of a structure? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, personal banking comes into play for that as well. Um, so I touched a little bit and we can always go back to the, the business side of things. And of course, you mentioned it for business. You want, you need to be able to easily invoice, to ideally have some sort of number that will connect with these tools when they are asking for the SSN. But the business banking is only a piece of the infrastructure. And really what's what's the most important is your personal banking, which okay. like, I, like I said at the beginning is a lot of the time I personally have found what gets left out of the equation until the very end. And then you're out of your home country's residency and you're like, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I can still potentially use, like in Canada, the case of Canada, you can still use that banking a little bit, but you don't really want to fall back on it forever. So what does it look like? So you have a few options. Now you can establish residency, first of all, in a country that's going to make it pretty easy for banking. So Mexico is a good one. Mexico, I I always put a very big asterisk around that one because as a resident, yeah, you can open the bank account, but you never want to keep a lot of money in a bank account. So I do hear some people saying, you know, like Mexico, they have great interest rates. Like I want to start getting loans. And I'm like, oh my gosh, please do whatever you want for your personal banking. But I would never get into that system because there is so much happening in Mexico. It's a high tax system once they like determine that you're a tax resident. Hey guys, quick break from the episode to tell you about BitRefill. BitRefill allows you to shop online and in person without banks, converting your crypto directly into merchant balance. We're talking gift cards to Nike, Amazon, Apple, Airbnb, Hotels.com, and many more, all paid for with crypto. BitRefill offers more than 10,000 gift card options in 180 countries all across Latin America, including Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Argentina, El Salvador, and many more. You can also apply the code MYLATINLIFE at checkout to get 10% back on your first purchase. Go to bitrefill.com for more information. It's a high tax system. Yeah, it's actually, and I think that's a big misconception too. That's, That's actually not what I was getting at at all, but that is very true that it is... I think a lot of people think Mexico and they think like third world corruption, like it's going to be low tax. Like, no, no, it's think Canada in terms of the tax structure, but also you don't know who's working at these banks. You don't know who's looking at the money in the accounts. You don't know who could be interested in the money that is in your accounts. And Mexico has a very specific group of people where I think you kind of want to watch out for that. And I think a lot of people don't 
take that into consideration when they think banking in Mexico. Um, yeah, it, it, it could be very safe, but I personally would not start keeping like tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, Nicole doesn't want to get kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I think, and I think coming from a Western mindset, we don't really think about this, and I didn't think about this until my partner is Mexican, and you know, he's from like not a tourist town in Mexico. We spent quite a bit of time with him and his family. And he knows people who have been kidnapped and who have been shot at gunpoint in a drive-by. And like for us, it's in the news or maybe you just completely avoid it and it's not in the news, but it is actually a reality of what's happening in Mexico. And so for me, like, yes, I do want the diversification option. If I will get a bank account in any country, I'll be happy just for diversification, but I'm not about to keep a somewhat big chunk of money in that country. You don't know who is looking at that. Got it. So I guess the maybe some people are wondering, well, if you're a Paraguay resident or a resident of XYZ country now, why can't I just use that country for my personal banking? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we chatted about Mexico. So Mexico and Paraguay are both pretty easy options to open or sorry, to have your residence. Now, in terms of Paraguay banking, they're Oh gosh, as a resident, like we've talked about this, Vance. Good luck opening a account in Paraguay. Um, I'm actually having, I have a few contacts here. So I'm here right now for the second time. It's funny, the first time we chatted, I was in Paraguay for the first time. And now we're chatting and I'm in Paraguay for the second time. So meeting up with a few people to see what can be mitigated um, here in terms of banking. So I'll keep you posted on that, but they do have a a new FinTech option that my lawyer was telling me about. I think you also mentioned, um, called don't know how to say the name. Yeah, exactly. That one. Um, and so that's a good option. If you have, you can use a foreign phone number to sign up for it. Um, but you just need like the, the ID, it yeah, is do that. just get a local phone number, 10 bucks. Yeah. Month. Yeah. But you have to get it when you're here on the ground. So then just make sure to keep it. That was a mistake that I made the first time. Um, but again, you know, it's Latin America. So with that one, myself, and I know one other person as well, we open the account, you wait for, or we submitted the documentation and everything. You wait for the verification and him and I were both waiting and waiting and waiting. And then it was multiple weeks. And so eventually we got on their WhatsApp and we got through the automation somehow. And only because we talked to a real per- person, they pushed it through. Otherwise I don't, it probably just would have sat there quite honestly. So, yeah. you know, Latin America. You know what that is, is I think what they do is they don't outright reject you. They just like don't accept your application, if that makes sense. So like I feel like in the U.S. or something, they'll, they'll be like, nope, you can't get the account. There's something wrong with your address, blah, blah, blah. The response is no. But in Latin America, it's like you apply and then they just like don't approve it and just like put it in a pile forever. I think I probably have a, an account or two somewhere in Latin America that, that's just been like, quote unquote, waiting for approval for a year. And I haven't heard a yes or a no. And I yeah. emailed them and they don't respond back. So yeah, so yeah. But it's, it's so funny. Difference. It's so funny because there was nothing wrong with it. You know, it was just like, I just needed to talk to someone and it just needed to be pushed through. They, they didn't ask for any additional information. So uh-huh. yeah, well, I think part of your issue is you don't have like a source of funds in Paraguay. So there, that's one of the big things where it's like, 
in Paraguay, and I think this is similar in a lot of countries, if you have a normal Paraguayan job and you, you know, work at the car dealership or something, you can get all the banking totally fine, but it's when you don't have a source of funds, they're trying to be really careful about money laundering and this kind of thing. And so what they kind of do in my experience is they say like, okay, we can open you if, if they'll even do it. Some banks won't, but if they open you, they'll say like, look, we'll open you, but your max, the max amount you can deposit is like 600 bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah, Paraguay does something similar to that as well, I know. Um, I was going to touch on something there, but uh, yeah, no. Oh, um, no, I don't know. I'm, it lost me. So do the, like, are you, I guess you're early, but do you think the Paraguayan cards or Latin American cards will work for your digital nomad lifestyle? So when you're traveling around the world and so forth, let's just say you go back to Canada and you're visiting the fam. Do you think you could use... Hawaiian cards or Mexican cards or something like that. Is that part of the issue of personal, the personal finance that we're yeah, trying to okay. So I'm like grabbing my wallet because I have so many cards in here. I'm like, what ones do I even use? Um, it's, you know, I consider all of this a game. And so <laughs> I like to stack up as many as possible. So <sighs> Paraguay, no, I do have my one account here for now. I, I have so many dormant accounts that I just love to have them sit there and don't do too much with them. But what I use on a more daily basis is I use my Wise card. So I have some funds. And when I'm using my Wise business account, it's really easy to just like transfer it over there. So I use my Wise personal account for some things. And then I also use my Zappo card for quite a few things as well. I, I really like Zappo, although with their metal card, it will almost never tap. So it looks nice, but it's not really practical, but they'll also send you like a plastic card if you request it. Uh, so between those two are usually what I use. And for a question then before, before we move on. Mm -hmm. um, I had an experience where I tried to do Zappo. I actually tried to open it for a friend and then send money to my friend Zappo. And Wise held it, even though it was a very small amount. Have you found that Wise and Zappo play nice together or? Super nice. I literally just transferred today for not the first time, um, like a few thousand over. And it was, it was probably within 10 seconds it was in the account. So maybe that was just something on your account or something like that. Now, Zappo, I do have it registered in, um, in Paraguay because that's my, my legal residence. And I know quite a few people in Paraguay do use Zappo for their banking, but I've never had that issue. Okay, cool. Moving on. So why isn't Zappo? And Zappo for the audience is XAPO. It's a Gibraltar-based bank that's uh, popular among crypto users and will uh, probably go bankrupt at some point if there's like a run on the bank or something. <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. But um, so why isn't Zappo? What, what else do you, do you find is like works well? So I have found for me, those two work the best for just like every day because I trust them the most. Zappo, yes, again, like they're kind of always changing their policies. We're not really too sure what that's going to look like in the future, but just don't keep a lot of money in there. And for the short term, it's fine to just use as an everyday thing. Um, in terms of other bank accounts, I do have some 
other bank accounts that I could use. You know, I have cards for them around the world. I, I have one from like an old residency that I use, which I don't really, if it's an old residency, even though I have the card and the bank account, I, I typically don't use it because you never know what's going to happen with that. Um, but I have my Georgia one. So that one is nice because it's multi-currency. I think I have three different currencies in that account. Um, and it has like the wire transfer capability. So I have that one, even though I don't really use it. And just like, where is my phone? I have, you know, the way that I keep track of these things is I have all of the apps on my phone because without some way of knowing, like I'm not going to have a list. Otherwise I just, I don't know what I use. Um, I do have an Amex, which we can dive into. I have that not to use just for a specific purpose of getting into the American system. Um, I have, so I am also a European citizen. So I have like a few banks in Europe as well, which is, is, it, is really it EU, the country. Uh, I have Portugal. So I, you're a Portugal dual citizen. Yeah, I'm a dual citizen. So I have Portugal, right. which is awesome. Um, I was going to ask you this at some point. I was, I was, I, like, I wasn't sure if you had revealed it ever. Yeah, yeah, it's on my YouTube. I have a whole video about like how okay. to do it. Um, it's okay, pretty straightforward. Safe. Yeah, safe. well, well, so I didn't get it through the kind of now dying slash changed program that they have um, for the NHR, but I, uh, yeah, I got it through Descent. So that that's like obviously the the biggest thing. Like if you can get any passport through Descent, through Descent, it's so easy. Even if you have to, I had to get my, I had to file for my mom's birth certificate, my dad's, dad's birth, my dad's birth certificate, their marriage certificate, like all the long form. Cause I didn't have any of this. I had to do all of the work. So worth it. I have, I'm just going through all the apps. I think I have like five accounts in the EU and none of them are even like physical banks in Portugal. Um, when I go there, I'll open them, but it's not like a desperate like thing. Revolut and, and stuff. Uh, Revolut is, yeah, I, I'm not going to go into that. That's a long story. But I don't use Revolut, but I do use like your N26, Paysera, mm -hmm. Payoneer, um, Zen.com is a really good one. And also Curve. Curve kind of like links all of the cards that you have in the EU if you do have multiple. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's actually one other thing that I want to talk about because he reached out to me on X, I guess, a while back. And I thought it was so interesting. So it's an app. And, and this is me just like going through all the finance apps on my phone. There's so many, I can't keep track of them. Um, it's an app called Neverless. And I have mentioned it on my Twitter and my YouTube. Never what? Neverless. Neverless. Never one word. Okay. So he reached out to me. Really cool concept, specifically designed for global citizens and nomads. He reached out to me on X a while ago, and it is three guys who used to work. They were heads of product at Revolut, and they left Revolut, and they created their own product. So now, and I love this because any global citizen digital nomad will tell you that it's such a struggle, even with Paraguay residency, because like you have to have the address here and like you have to have, you know, the utility bill, like utility bills are the bane of my existence. Um, so they don't ask for all of that documentation. So they really designed it for our lifestyle and it's not banking, but it is investing. So they have a few different investing strategies and I've, you know, like all, all the bank runs and the insolvency that has happened in the last year or so with a few different companies. So I kind of went through all of that with him and asked him about it. And of course, you're always investing at your own risk. Any investment, there is risk involved. But from what I have heard from him and seen on my end, it, it seems 
pretty straightforward and they will give you really great returns. I think it's 5% to some riskier is like 18% and you can just put money in there and it just sits there and gets returns and then you can transfer it out. This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you in part by Job Stacking. Introducing Rolf Holtz's Paycheck Multiplication Layering Method, a revolutionary approach that redefines the traditional career path. This is Rolf's new Done With You program where he'll work with you to implement job stacking for yourself. With this method, Rolf contractually guarantees that you'll be able to double your income in 45 days. So, are you ready to step out of the shadows of job insecurity and step into a world of career abundance? Then just click the link in the description of this episode, book a call with Rolf, and start walking the path of unleashing your earning potential with job stacking. So let me ask you something before we get to investing, because I know that's a big piece of it. And you mentioned it a little bit in one of your podcasts that you did with your co-host, but I, w- I, I want to go in a little bit more detail because I think she didn't even know the difference between a stock and a bond or something, but um, uh, no, no shade. Sorry. I'll, maybe I'll cut that if I remember. No, no, no shade. But, I mean, um, her, her realm is spirituality and my realm is spiritual, <laughs> and, and she knows that. <laughs> I love you, Brazilian co-host. Um, but um, so sticking to the personal banking. So general idea, high level idea here, because you're 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 saying tons of different accounts, and I got this, and I got that, and it's easy to open. So what's the idea? The idea is that the money's coming into the US LLC successfully, and you're just like doing like three k here, five k here, three k here, five k here, and just like spreading it all out. And I guess is the idea that you don't want to send like five figure sums to any one bank or like what is the problem that you're solving by having such a web of checking accounts? Well, like I said, you know, I don't use a lot of these accounts. I use, I have my few that I really like that I trust for now that I use, but for me, it's all about diversification. I don't know when, like you mentioned, you know, a bank could potentially go insolvent, could shut down, something could happen. Um, the Canadian trucker protest, you know, like you, you never know. And so for me, I like to be cautious. I know that not everyone is built that way, but for me, I want to have as many bank accounts in as many countries, but also just different bank accounts in many different countries as well, if possible. I have quite a few in the States and in Europe, like I mentioned. So I like to be able to diversify. I do have my few that, like I said, I trust. I will transfer more money in there. I know that's kind of for the the everyday spending and groceries and like whatever that I do. But quite honestly, a lot of the money stays in the business. I Most of what I do is the business. Like you look at my expenses and I would say 80% of them are business expenses. So I have a few of my things going into personal, but a lot of things that I do are business. So I'll keep as much in there as possible and just take out what I need, put it into whatever account I need and um, kind of spend from there. But for me, it's all about diversification, which I know not everybody may be looking to have that much diversification, but it's so interesting because I've realized in the past, just the past few months alone, I've gotten so many more emails and inquiries of people wanting additional residencies, additional residencies in order to get bank accounts in countries that are deemed as a little bit more stable, um, Mm -hmm. just for that reason alone. And another one, 
um, on that topic that I, I get a lot of inquiries about is Uruguay. So yeah, you physically have to go there to open it. Um, and I, I help my clients open it. So I don't have one because I haven't gone there. Um, but whenever I get around to it, I'll open an account there and it's a pretty stable banking system. So for personal, not for business, but for personal, you we, can, we can open for you remote in Uruguay. I, yeah, I mean, maybe <laughs> the contact yeah, that I you use, can. you got the service. It's on myladenlife.com. Yeah. What bank is it? Or is um, that? That is not revealed until okay. after you pay. Okay. Yeah. We, I don't know what bank you use. We use like a pretty well-known bank. And so for us, it's, it has to be in person with the agent that we use. Yeah. The thing is these things change all the time. And what happens is sometimes they say, oh yeah, we can do a remote. And then we put in the yeah. application and then maybe it gets stuck and they go, you know what, you got to go in person. So, you know, things, things do change. It is yeah. uh, it's a wild west. So at a high level, again, um, sounds like you try to run let's just call it 50% plus, but you said 80% of your expenses through your business. But that's you, you kind of consider that a solved thing with Mercury and Relay and one or two other products, I guess, in the US. And then so you're focusing your attention on having like all these different bank accounts for the personal expenses, even though it's only 20% or, or less than half the expenses, because that's the harder part. Well, the thing with that, yes, and and to add on to that is that bank you you will know this just as well as I do that banking and opening accounts is now and in the future just going going only going to become more and more difficult with more and more regulations. So the way that I see it is open as many as possible while you can before the regulations change and if a residency looks attractive to you and it's somewhat straightforward like go for it. Open the bank account if you can verify that a bank account can be opened as a resident, not like kind of a Paraguay situation where it's going to be more difficult. Um, but go for it while you can, because it's just going to become so much more difficult. And, you know, we even saw like five years ago, it was so much easier to open all of these accounts and have all of these offshore businesses. And now with blacklists and gray lists, it's just it's becoming so much more difficult. Do you think the hardest part is kind of the utility bill? And it's like now, right now, they're not asking for the utility bill, but a couple of years from now, they're going to start asking for the utility bill. And that's what makes it hard. Or what? It, what is the what is the regulation hammer that you expect to drop? Well, it's, it's the utility bill, I guess, on like a smaller scale. But if you're actually living in that country and you're a resident, then that's not a problem. It's more so just all of these blacklists and gray lists that are coming up and just making it increasingly more difficult. So I had a client who recently was interested in opening a Cayman Island account just for business. And then on top of that banking, just for diversification in their business to like keep some money in there, kind of just like run a bit of money through it and keep it active. Um, and then also for tax purposes. And Cayman used to be such a great tax haven. We all heard about it kind of back in the day and we knew like, oh, no tax, so easy to open. And now it is so much more difficult. You're going to be paying, I think it was like, it was thousands just for the office space alone, which is required for the business. And then oh. even once you have the business, banking is so much more difficult. They have the increasing, you know, AML and KYC and it's, it's, going to become so much more of a nightmare, but it, it already is just because of all of these 
regulating bodies, put it, putting the regulations on it. So I think, um, yeah, diversify now while you can, because you don't know how much longer it's going to last. Mm, so you think it's these lists more than anything? Yeah, the list on a larger scale, like the utility is the utility bill is kind of on the smaller scale that can always be solved. You know, that is something that is a hassle, but it can be solved. But it's it's really on the larger scale of what countries are doing and what these bodies are putting into play. And yeah, it's it's a game, you know, we're playing it, but it's it's interesting to keep up with it. And how have you found the acceptance of the Paraguay residency and Paraguay address has been when you're putting a Paraguay address on non-Paraguayan bank accounts? Um, I have put my Paraguay address, I'm just thinking, uh, because legally I'm a resident here. I'm not, I'm not a re- like my tax residency is here. So yeah. legally you have to put it. I haven't found any problems. That is something that I think about for the future on what is that going to look like in the future? Because oh, another countries- one of these, another Yeah, Paraguay. exactly. Exactly. Countries yeah. are kind of like waking up to what a Paraguay tax <laughs> residency means. But uh, I think we still have some time. I think we still have some time. But like I said, I think that in the future, things are going to change. And things will change, you know, for the worse, maybe in that regard. But I'm sure there will be new structures, d- just different things popping up that we can take advantage of that we can't foresee quite yet. Okay. Um, and so someone's listening to this, they're probably learning a lot. They're probably excited. They're probably a little bit bewildered and they might even be like, is this even worth it? This sounds insane. I'm not sure. Or maybe they're down. Who knows? They're probably somewhere on the, on the down to insane spectrum. But so they're, they're thinking, okay, so I get the Paraguay residency. I get the U S LLC. Um, I get some mercury, whatever banks in the U S and then I just open up whatever random checking account around the world that I can get and just start slinging, slinging, uh, I'm thinking of a slang term for money, slinging bills to the, to these like random far flung checking accounts. Is that the kind of the idea here? Well, that's why I said at the beginning, you know, think about the banking, not at the end, which I think most people tend to do, but hopefully after listening to this, they think about it a little bit before the end, which can be difficult because you don't know what the end is going to look like until you get there. Um, But you can take it from Vance and I and and many others to think about because because the business, the business banking is easy. Like your business is in the States. That's not the problem. It's the personal banking. So yes, now it's nice. You can at least have one somewhat straightforward to open bank account in Paraguay. Um, And you can still for, for Canada, you can still use some of that banking infrastructure, credit cards, whatnot, but while you get your feet on the ground in another country, um, but it doesn't hurt to get another residency that's easy. Get a Mexico, start opening, go to a Georgia, um, go to, I know Ecuador has a really straightforward one, not that I would recommend banking there, but you know, like just have a few different diversifications. You send the money to these countries direct from the US LLC. Um, depends where the money is, but yeah, I will usually use like a wise or something like that. It just depends what account it's in. So isn't it kind of crazy that like Mercury is basically just slinging money to like random checking, checking accounts all around the world? 
I don't know. I guess I guess you would have to ask them. But for me, like I said, like I use. I guess like yeah. If you want to start playing with like an Ecuador and whatnot, then maybe. But I use um, like two or three really main ones that I trust that kind of have the transfers going back and forth all the time. Um, and I know and then, it works for me. Do the transfer. So there's kind of like layers of transferring going on. Well, yeah, like one layer from my business into my personal and then I just spend it in my personal. So it's not that complex. I mean, I feel like the idea seems very abstract, but then once you do it, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's like it goes from my business into my personal. I use the personal all the time and it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, so let me ask you this. If Wise were to close your account, which I've actually been hearing a fair number of reports of Wise closing people for no reason, would, would that be a, a huge issue? No, because the diversification aspect. And that's like, if you're playing this game, you, and I know it seems crazy to have all of these accounts everywhere, but if you're playing this game, you need to be diversified. Or if you don't want to play this game, open your business in a Dubai and get residency there. You know, like it's a very, yes, you have to spend some time on the ground, but it's a pretty straightforward residency with a really good banking system that I will probably go into in the future. But I started with Paraguay. And so that is, you know, there's a lot of upsides to the residency here. Like you don't really have to spend that much time on the ground, but that's kind of the game that you're playing when you're doing a residency like this. Um, so yeah, if, if Wise were to close my bank account, that would not be a problem for me because like I said, I, I have the diversification. I have the multiple business accounts, the multiple personal accounts, but without that diversification aspect, like you could be screwed. And so that's why if, if you're going to go down this route, like you need to know what that is going to look like and you need to know your options. And if you do have another residency or citizenship like I do, use that to your advantage as well and open other accounts on that. Everything is completely legal, you know, like nothing. I'm not sending money to some random country in the world with someone else's name on it. Like it's my name. It's my passport. I can verify my identity. I have heard of wise um, closing some accounts, but more so wanting to verify that you are who you say you are and where this money could be coming from. So everything I do it's completely legally. Like I have proof and I can show who I am, where the money is coming from, anything that they're asking. You know, it's not like these are illegally going into like a Cayman account or something like that. Got it. Yeah. Probably worth mentioning. Um, cool. I think uh, regarding, you know, you, you kind of mentioned a couple of times that the, the Paraguay account openings have been difficult for you. So I guess I'll share with anyone listening. I mean, um, so UENO, Bank UENO that we mentioned uh, is pretty well. It's like a digital first bank. Um, Banco Atlas is also quite good. Um, so Atlas is quite good. And then uh, Familiar or Familiar, uh, Banco Familiar is pretty good as well. And um, people kind of have no problems with those. You know, those are... Um, and then like Paraguay has a lot of banks. So those aren't even really like the main ones. I guess Atlas is kind of a main one. There's other ones like uh, Vision, I think, but people don't really like that. There's Continental, but again, people don't really like that one, or at least they're not as nomad friendly. Um, but the three that I mentioned are pretty friendly. And then um, the credit unions as well. So Paraguay has a lot of credit unions and they also offer very high interest rates on their different like 
whatever like certificate of deposit products. Um, but it can be pretty easy to open at the credit unions as well, if you know someone. So there's three banks and then the credit union. So that's a good start. So I'm curious to ask you, have you used any of those products, like a, a certificate of deposit or loans or anything like that in Paraguay? Um, how much should I say? Well, I think it's important to open um, to open these other financial products and specifically to open brokerage accounts to invest in the stock market or invest in mutual funds, the types of things that you you invest in through a brokerage account because it's another substantial tie to the country, which helps from a uh, tax residency perspective. But then also, if you're interested in Paraguayan citizenship, after the requisite three years of residency, the fact that you're uh, in that, the fact that you have multiple brokerage accounts, and the fact that you're investing in the stock market, is uh, a good substantial tie, uh, so, and it's an easy one too, right? Um, it's easier than like buying a car and registering a car or something like that, right? So, um, I think. Uh, Getting the brokerage accounts is a good idea, and um, obviously you can earn a return there as well. Vance, I think um, I feel like I want to have you on my show, doing the reverse of this episode. <laughs> Let's do it because you know what I learned from your podcast was you had on the podcast lady that has like the Learn English podcast. And uh, it was a half hour episode. I think I only learned one thing, but it was a very important thing, which is she, she said that the number one way to grow a podcast is not by promoting it on your social media. It's by guesting on other podcasts. And I was like, oh, damn, like I've only guessed it on maybe like four or five podcasts. So actually in 2024, that's going to be one of my goals is I'm going to have to start guesting on more podcasts. Cool. Love it. Happy to, happy to have you. So we'll do that. So does that make sense? That's helpful. The the brokerage accounts. Um, you might have to go in person for that though, but since you're there, definitely do it. They have them at the, you know, like in the mall and stuff, um, the, the, the brokerage buildings. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So one more thing that I did want to mention, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to chat about Go on the topic it. of banking, but is credit card access in the US. And I personally think like this is one of the shining features to me of the US LLC. I don't know how much you know about this, but I touched on it in a recent podcast episode of mine with Cami and it is, I feel like it's not talked about enough, the fact that you can get great, great credit cards that, so so you were both from Canada originally and growing up, I, I always heard about people credit hacking and getting all these free flights and getting all these points for all of these like really great things. And you can do it to a degree in your Canada or your Europe, but really the country where it shines for travel hacking is America because they have so many great credit cards and so many companies behind these credit cards and their point system is just so exceptional. So there's a few things you can do. 
you can, of course, start travel hacking and getting the flights or the holidays or whatever else you really want to get within the portals um, for points. So you can start accumulating on a business card or you can get like a zero percent interest. A lot of these cards have zero percent interest um, for 12 months, 18 months, whatever the card at the time is offering. And then once you have an ITIN number, you can actually take advantage of that and get essentially instead of, you know, giving away a portion of your business for money, if you're starting a business that is going to be pretty heavy on investment, which is a a few certain businesses like real estate or e-commerce or something like that, maybe e-commerce is more relevant because it's online, but you need that capital to get started. That's another way that you can get started as well. And of course, disclaimer, as long as you know the system and you know that maybe it's not the first store you've started, you know that you will be able to pay that money back in 12 to 18 months whenever that 0% grace period ends, then that's free money for you right there. Mm. And I guess part of the idea is like points are half decent in Canada, but you do lose that basically when you start reducing ties there. And then you start putting your money with wise and these latin american banks and you're like god damn i'm earning i'm earning nothing with my spending um and then so really doing the u.s spending is what makes the most sense and yeah the u.s is great you get the car collision damage waiver you get the phone insurance you get um all these different things like uh, you know chargebacks obviously um and you know for americans it's it's kind of like taken for granted but like American points, U.S. card points are really 2x, 5x better than pretty much everywhere else in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So a nice aspect because unless you're born in America, you can't really get access to that. So you can through your business, which is a nice little perk. What do you like if if I can ask you, so what are you spending on to get the points? Because you basically run like a consulting business. There's not too much. You're paying for like web hosting and like your email list there's not too many expenses i guess probably you do the airbnbs and stuff and your flights through your corporate account so it's basically just it is you know obviously it's not too much like it's just the basically that semi-personal expense but really it's a business expense like the flights the airbnbs and then a couple of the business expenses or is there like a a missing key piece there for Yeah. Well, I don't want to dive into, you know, like exactly where my money is going, but on on a high level. Yeah. So I I travel full time and I do have kind of like office space slash workspace slash like apartment space when I get an Airbnb or hotel or whatever that may be. So portions of things can be expensed to the card. Portions of things cannot be expensed um, or like deducted. So yeah, it's just figuring out like where your money is going, what you're spending. And then of course you have like the small transactions, like you said, the the email hosting and the the course or like whatever you have there. But when you have, you know, like quite a few subscriptions and they're all monthly subscriptions, it, it starts to add up. And then you have your, if you have like a car rental, maybe you're, you can expense that somehow, or you have an Airbnb and you just have to get creative with what, could potentially be a portion of a business expense. 
Okay. This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you in part by BitRefill. BitRefill is the best way to spend your crypto in Latin America. Purchase gift cards or mobile refills from more than 3,500 brands in 186 countries instantly, safely, and privately. Visit bitrefill.com for more information. Well, yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble, but, and I think what's worth mentioning is that you actually have to work your way up to the good cards where, you know, at the start, you don't have a credit score and a credit history that's worthy enough to get Chase Sapphire Reserve or Amex Platinum or like the, you know, the $500 a year cards. So you usually have to start with either the free cards or the $100 annual fee cards and build some credit. And then after a while, you can start getting the sick cards with the lounge access. Yeah. So usually, yes, you will have to kind of start at the bottom and work your way up. Not that it takes that long, quite honestly, if you have like a good utilization score and you're obviously, obviously the most important is paying your bills on time. Um, if you're doing kind of all of the, the normal things, right. But there are a few ways to specifically with Amex get grandfathered into their system. So if you have an Amex product in another country, there's quite a few countries where it carries over. So let's say you have like Amex Mexico and it will carry over if you have obviously a good credit score and you've been very diligent with your credit in Mexico. Amex is great because it will carry over into um, the U.S. So that's kind of like Mm -hmm. a nice little U.S. Sometimes they have relationships Canada. Um, there's a few, I think in Europe, there's, there's actually, there's quite a few countries. Like you can look up online what the countries are. Of course, Mexico and Canada are part of those. Um, so it'll carry over and then you kind of, you don't start from zero, but if you start from zero, it doesn't need to take a long time. It can take six months or a year, but you do have to be, have to know the pieces, know what the utilization rate that you should be using and obviously be paying your bills and kind of have the basics down pat doesn't need to take that long. So long story short, you know, you don't get the best shit right off the bat, but you can work towards it relatively fast. So let me ask you, I know we've already like at the hour mark, but I do want to get to something really important. If you still have a bit of time, which is people will ask, what about my retirement? What about my savings? And I guess we kind of alluded to that a little bit with the stock market, but let's hit this one full on because uh, you've addressed this in your podcast as well, where let's just say in Canada, you would have the TFSA or the RSP, uh, basically equivalents of a 401k or a retirement plan. I'm sure Australia has whatever they call it, the wombat. Um, <laughs> and um, so you, you what the, I guess the idea is that once you leave the tax system of your Canada or your Australia, you can no longer contribute to that retirement plan and uh, you can sort of maybe leave what's in there to like stay there, but you can't contribute more. And so from here on out, your retirement savings need to be held somewhere else. So you need to hold your ETFs and your really like your nest egg somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That is also a part of the puzzle and so I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the last podcast that I was on of yours, but um, there are a few different brokerages that you can use. So Interactive Brokers is a really great one, and they will let you register with Paraguay as your residency. 
Um, they're a very international right. one. And then I, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this. And then from there, you can invest in different markets. It doesn't just have to be in America. You can invest in Canada mm-hmm. as well. Um, I don't really do too much outside of America right now. Um, but you can invest in other markets. And so, you know, it's part, part of this lifestyle is just being very diligent. Like I was saying about the credit and like when you're going to leave your home country's residency and get a new residency and then open a business, like you need to know what you're doing and you need to kind of be down for whatever happens. And it comes for me personally, I think of it the same as retirement. Like, yes, you can have some matches and whatnot in your Canadian American, whatever retirement savings account, but you have to be putting the money in there to begin with. And so the same when you're abroad, yes, you don't get the matches, but you still have to be diligent on putting the money in there on a consistent basis or whatever that looks like setting up it, setting up your account so that it'll buy whatever, whenever you want. Um, and just being really diligent around what the future is going to look like. Do you think it's like a bit rickety or unstable to have like, let's say your whole retirement nest egg in like an interactive brokers or some like US based account with a Paraguay address. And then maybe at some point they go, you know what, we no longer deal with non-residents or something like that. And then you have to do some rollover machination to something else or do you think about that? I've thought about that before, um, but then I always come back to, you know, I know quite, not personally, but not, I know of quite a few multimillionaires who are in the States specifically who hold all of their money. And again, do I think it's like the safest? No, but they hold all of their money in one brokerage. And, you know, Interactive <laughs> Brokers has been around for quite a while. I consider them really trustworthy. Um, I'm sure there are other companies. I, I have heard of a few off the top of my head. I can't think of any of them, what they would be, but I would have to do my research on what they look I like. I guess just but, more maybe if they weren't open to non-residents. I'm not th- I don't think it's going to collapse and maybe you get the FDIC and this and that, but maybe they just changed the rules and they don't want non-residents or something anymore. Maybe. I mean, I know that they accept people from many different countries, so I guess it would have to be like a Paraguay-specific thing where they don't want to deal with Paraguay residents. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a risk, but if it ever comes to that, like, it's something that I'm like, okay, I know I'll figure it out. And it's, it's just kind of part of this lifestyle. What do you do about that? I'm curious. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I mean, we did a podcast recently with a guy named Jacob Topley, who's based in Mexico city and he helps people open, uh, I believe it's Isle of Man based, uh, brokerage and retirement accounts. And they have a couple different, they have all the products, like they have trusts and they have, um, retirement accounts of of different flavors. And so it's like in, you know, it's in like a UK jurisdiction and they accept, and they typically they're opening them for Latinos. So they're basically their target market is rich Mexicans and Polanco and stuff. And they help rich Mexicans open bank accounts in Isle of Man and, and and other offshore jurisdictions to hold a portion of their retirement and trust planning and so forth in different jurisdictions. So I think in some ways it actually gets easier when you start having a lot of money because some, some of these things they say, oh, the minimum is like 50K. So I think once you start having like a decent amount of money, uh, 
someone's going to open their doors. Yeah. And I think, you know, I had a podcast a while back. I can't remember the country, but it was somewhere in the Caribbean. And he was talking about also having, um, he has a startup there and it's heavy in crypto, but they also do retirement and whatnot. So there are other options for me right now. Is that something that I need or that I'm really worried about? No, I'm happy with what I have. And, you know, I have my money flowing into there and it works for me. But again, it's all about diversification. Um, you know, the Isle of Man, they could change their policy and then it doesn't work for everybody there. And so you always want to have backups, whatever that may look like. And so for me, I know, I know I probably sound like a crazy person on this podcast being like, I have all these accounts, like in all of these banks in America or all of these countries, but that's really the name of the game. And so, yeah, like maybe the interactive brokers, the Isle of Man, the having all of these different setups, like you want to have as many as possible because you don't know when countries and governments are going to change their policies and what that's going to look like. And so for me, that's the name of the game. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, hats off to you for being uh, like a leading voice for women digital nomads, specifically with this personal finance and business finance education element to it. Because a lot of them are just going, a lot of the female digital nomads are just like going wild in Bali or eating pastries in Croatia or something. And they're not really talking about opening bank accounts and, and this kind of thing. Or if they do, they really just scratch the surface. So you're pretty much the person I've come across that's gone the deepest on, on this. Um, so I, I think it's really unique. And I think you'll have a, a breakout year in 2024. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, it's so interesting being in this space. And I just try to make a very inclusive community. I don't see that, unfortunately, I feel like enough in a lot of the the big people who are in this space in their content and, and what they talk about. I find it's very inclusive to um, men, unfortunately. And I try to be inclusive to everybody and to, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter, you know, if, if you're considered woke or if you're not considered woke, like I, I try to be very just inclusive of anybody who wants the information and wants the education and wants to go down that route. Are, are there other women digital nomads doing this personal finance element to the extent that you are? Have you? I haven't heard of anybody. I know a lot of men are, but I haven't heard of any other women doing something similar. But I mean, if, if if they do, like, welcome. I have always, you know, I'm, I love collaborating with people like you, but unfortunately, there's just not that many women right now in the space, but I'm sure that will change. Mm -hmm. I think, like, uh, Kristen, the badass digital nomads girl, mm -hmm. I think she does a little bit of the finance stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know how much she talks about. I know she's American, so I don't know how much she talks. I haven't heard her talk too much on, like, the tax and, like, the kind of back-end aspect of that, but I know she does talk a lot about the travel and the nomad lifestyle. Yeah, she is in like, like a little detail. She'd be like, okay, like Spain visa, you need this much in your bank account, blah, blah, blah. So she'll do it a bit, but you're definitely you're definitely like the most detailed that, I, that I've seen, which is, which is sick because I think a lot of people love this stuff. Seriously, people nerd out about the details. I'm sure you, you see it on Twitter. They're like, I'm... Like, dude, you don't even need this detail yet. Like, focus on the main thing. But Oh, gosh, um, yeah. I get so 
many emails from people who are like, I want to, I want all of my options and I want every country in Latin America and I want to know how to get them. And I'm like, okay, this, this is a process. Like we can walk through it together, but it's not a, a one email and done thing. And it's so funny because I, I work with some partners in Panama and I was talking with them recently and they were just saying, you know, a lot of people, like if you're not really in this space, a lot of people I'm sure you've probably experienced this, will come to you and they're like, I want a Latin American passport yesterday. It's like, it doesn't work like that. There's only a few countries where it's going to work like that. And you have to have like, it, it's not expensive, but you have to have like a little bit of money to buy these passports. Um, if you're just kind of like doing the general cheap donation route. And in Latin America, like that's, that's not really an option. And there's always something under the table, but that is not something that I that I go for, you know, people will come to me like asking for certain under the table things, but I don't offer any of that because I just want to always keep my hands clean. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Every day is a new adventure. Yeah. Like I said, I think 2024 is going to be your year, both our years and uh, really, really excited to, to see what you have going on and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to guesting on your podcast as well. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me, Vance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to take this time and do a little call to action for the audience where they can find you, all that good stuff? Of course. So my website, basically everything is work, wealth, and travel. So my website is workwealthandtravel.com. Uh, my Instagram is the same. My TikTok is the same. My X is the same, but work is W-R-K just due to space limit. Um, yeah, all of the places. My podcast is Work, Wealth, and Travel. So pretty straightforward. Those are really the three things that my life revolves around, work being more entrepreneurship and business and doing something you're passionate every single day. Day in, day out, living this global citizen lifestyle. So you can find me anywhere online under that name. Awesome. Well, I hope we were able to demystify things on this podcast. I think uh, to me, it doesn't sound too scary. I mean, we, we went into some some good detail, but it seems pretty straightforward, to be honest. And um, would you say overall, you uh, do you regret it? Are you ready to flee back to Canada? Or are you... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's when you said that, I was like, you know, I feel like we probably did scare a few people off, but I actually think that's a good thing. You need to go into it completely informed of what you're getting into. No, I would never, I, I guess on a last note, you know, I would never go back into the Canadian system. I, I never, I do not regret at all what I have done and what I have built for myself, but it's not only the business aspect you're thinking of, like really this stems from a lifestyle and you have to want the lifestyle in order for everything else to follow because you're not going to be sitting in Canada happy with your life in Canada with an LLC and a Paraguay residence and a Mexican residence and a five bank accounts around the world like that's not going to fly so it really starts with the lifestyle piece being dedicated to it like I could technically, but like, it would make no sense for me to go back into the Canadian system. Like that, that ship has sailed. So you really have to have the lifestyle component and then everything else can fall into play. And honestly, I think the anecdotes we're seeing every single day just confirm more and more that we made the right decision. Uh, Cause you know, you, every, every day you're like, Oh, two year wait time at the hospital and this and that. And you're like, wow. Like, Maybe 15 years ago, it was like, quote unquote, worth it, but not these days. Yeah, totally. 
Totally. And we've experienced that firsthand. Sick. So awesome. Love it. Um, so this has been another episode of the My Latin Life podcast. Again, my guest today, Nicole from Work, Wealth, and Travel. Thanks to Nicole. And thanks to everyone.